All right, good morning. My name is Nick Papa, and I'm joined here by Paul DiBartolomeo, and I'm going to let him introduce himself. Uh, good morning, Nick. How are you? Uh, my name is Paul DiBartolomeo. I'm a uh, firefighter with Ladder Company 28 down in uh, the Harlem section of Manhattan, the FDNY. I'm uh, coming up on 24 years on the job uh, this coming February. I'll have 24 years on the job. Uh, I got my start in Connecticut. I am um, born and raised in Stanford, Connecticut. I joined the local volunteer fire department there in Stanford when I was about 18. So uh, a little more than 30, 30 years in the fire service um, as both a uh, career and volunteer firefighter. And, uh, you know, working where I work, it's a, uh, a tenement area, a lot of multiple dwellings. Um, and, you know, vent enter search is certainly in our repertoire there. But uh, as a fire service instructor and, and, and doing teaching in and around the, uh, the Connecticut area, uh, we do a lot of stuff on ventilation, a lot of stuff on VES. And I, I think it's something that, uh, you know, through our talk today, we can expand upon uh, in terms of, of, of those techniques. And as you and I have talked privately, finding the balance and incorporating it at our fires, depending on occupancy and things of that nature. So uh, I'm looking forward to delving into this a little deeper and, uh, you know, having a good, having a good chat about it. Absolutely. The whole point of these sessions are to recreate the kitchen table conversations that are had at the firehouse, you know, that you know, some of the, the best lessons and conversations that are had are at that kitchen table, especially after a good job or, you know, after uh, a good drill is done. So that, that's the whole point of these sessions is to recreate that dialogue and make it readily accessible for people all across the country and to connect with people such as yourself that have uh, some unique and a, a wide range of experiences. So to be able to tap into those resources and allow it to benefit the entire fire service. So why don't we kick off by starting out with uh, just discussing what FDNY's approach is to VES and how it's integrated into uh, the fire ground and, and the everyday operations. Yeah, sure. So, you know, the FDNY is unique in that, you know, everything we do is, is, is structured in a sense uh, according to our tactics. And our tactics apply to the buildings in our response area and our tactics respond to the, the personnel we have in the, on the rig. So essentially everybody has specific jobs, you know, whether you're in an engine, you're the nozzle man, the backup firefighter, the control firefighter, the ladder company, the chauffeur, the irons firefighter, the can firefighter, all have specific jobs based on our tactics. And then our tactics vary based on construction features, the, the type of occupancy, be it a private dwelling, a multiple dwelling, uh, a high-rise fireproof multiple dwelling, a commercial building. So the tactics are, are, are very set in stone, uh, but they're also very fluid based on your response area. And there are response areas within the city that have the full gamut of those occupancies. So, you know, a, as a firefighter on the back step, it can be very dynamic, you know, from run to run, you're going from a different different occupancy. Uh, we're very fortunate with our, with our staffing that we have an assigned outside vent firefighter. Um, and, you know, th their tactics are dictated again on the occupancy and, and, and their arrival of assignment, their first due, their second due, they're the extra truck, but 
Um, you know, I would say it, it kind of breaks down into two categories, right? Uh, and that's kind of what kicked off our discussion about kind of furthering the coordinated vent topic, which you guys uh, discussed very nicely with the Harrisburg brothers a couple of weeks back into how it now carries over into the VES world, right? So from our perspective, uh, the function of the outside vent firefighter uh, is kind of twofold, right? We, we could be talking strictly performing horizontal ventilation opposite the fire. We could be talking direct VES into an area maybe remote from or above remote from or opposite the fire, or it could be a combination of two, uh, depending on the size up and, and, and what's going on on the fire ground there. So it, it's certainly a... Uh, a position that's assigned based on some experience, based on some knowledge of your 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 response area, right? Your grasp of 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 the buildings in your area and the functions performed by that position. But, um, you know, th th those are the things that we're looking for, right? The, the horizontal ventilation opposite the fire, or the need to enter and search beyond that point, and understanding and knowing the differentiation there is kind of big for me. Uh, when, when I'm kind of trying to impress that on some of the younger guys or the newer guys, um, that it can't be straightforward robotic. You really do have to stop for a sec, size things up, uh, read the situation before you decide what tactics you're going to employ and when. And that, that's a great uh, lead out right there is talking about the, the size up and some of the cues that you're looking for to initiate that operation. So it, we, you already touched on it earlier, but the FDNY has very specific tactics and, and that changes based on the type of occupancy. Uh, can you explain a little bit the difference between you know, how this, this ventilation and, and the VES operation differs from the private dwelling arena to uh, multiple dwellings? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the private dwelling arena, uh, where I work, we, we don't have any private dwellings. It's all brownstones, tenements, high-rise multiple dwellings, things of that nature. The outer boroughs are loaded with private dwellings and, and the tactics differ a little bit. You know, if you're a first or second due ladder company um, in a private dwelling area, you're the outside vent firefighter. If it's a peaked roof uh, private dwelling, even the roof firefighter, those two firefighters would team up and their responsibilities are the sides in the rear of the building, VESing the sides in the rear of the building at a private dwelling fire. So the, the first do OV, second do, uh, first do OV, first do roof firefighter would access the sides in the rear. They'd be backed up by the second do roof and OV firefighter to uh, probably operate off of portable ladders, trying to access second floor bedrooms if it was a typical two and a half story private dwelling. Whereas say in a tenement world, old law or new law tenement, uh, the outside vent firefighter is first and foremost, you know, eyes and ears on the side in the rear of the building. The, the roof firefighter is kind of giving a look from the rooftop and the outside vent firefighter, unless it's apparent upon arrival, it's in the front. He or she is going to try to access the sides in the rear to get eyes on the building. Where is it? These are larger buildings, obviously, and it's not always clear cut. And then kind of make a move from there. Most of the Five and six story tenements uh, in my area are equipped with fire escape. So they'd be operating off the fire escape 
opposite the fire, opposite the line. Um, first do is obviously going to go to the fire floor. Second do is responsible for the floor above the fire, um, accessing the fire escape and positioning themselves opposite the line. And that's kind of where the, the dynamics, either private dwelling or multiple dwelling, kind of came into our conversation. All right, you've got yourself now in that position. Uh, you've kind of located or, or identified where the fire is and got yourself into your operational position. How do you proceed from there? Right? Is it going to be strictly venting for fire, coordinated horizontal ventilation, or is this going to be a vent enter search operation? Now, Paul, how do you go about targeting the specific rooms? And you know, what are some of the size up uh, identifiers that you look for? Um, and can you touch on the importance of understanding building construction and how occupancies are, are typically laid out to help you in that process? Yeah, sure. So when we talk about the private dwelling world and when, when I teach this stuff or discuss this stuff in, in class, you know, I, I referenced the, the National Fire Institute and their statistics yearly. And statistics don't lie, the data doesn't lie. You know, Globally, across the country, right? I would say roughly 80% of our fires occur in, in two and a half story private dwellings, right? And they break it down uh, very succinctly, you know, timeline, time frame, you know, when, when these fires occur, when people are, are trapped, where they're trapped, 55% of people that unfortunately are killed in fires uh, are found in second floor bedrooms of private dwellings, right? So just, you know, I impress that upon the students. If that's your response area, that's your makeup in your area, right? That, that's, that's a target area that, that I try to impress upon people. We're pulling into a, a working fire in a private dwelling, you know, in the wee hours, I say, between 10 a.m. and say six or 7 a.m. Uh, if we have the capability if we have the personnel uh, to execute that, that to me would be a, a target area, accessing those second floor bedrooms, all right? Um, and, and, you know, like I said earlier, once we identify that, that's where the thinking cap has to go on and, and how can I positively or negatively impact from here. Um, in the multiple dwelling world, um, you know, it's, it's largely predicated, I, I work in a, in a large, largely tenement area it's predicated first and foremost, as I said, trying to pinpoint where the fire is and accessing the, the correct fire escape. Once I access that, what I think to be, what I think to be, and it's not, you know, it's not always a hundred percent, things can be misleading. Once I access that fire escape, those usually service bedrooms, uh, you know, and just kind of keeping it generic. Those usually are going to uh, service bedrooms in the rear portion of the, the fire apartment. So the, the concept or the tactic is, is that it's kind of that two-pronged approach or two-tiered attack. We have a dedicated inside team coming in the main entry door of the apartment. The outside firefighter would kind of be coming in off the, the rear fire escape or the front fire escape, depending on where the fire is. And they're kind of converging on that occupancy from two different aspects to try to cover as most ground as possible. But, you know, and again, not to, to harp on that point, but that entry off the fire escape has to be coordinated. It has to be communicated because it involves, and I say this, you know, what's the first, 
step in VES or VEIS is the vent factor, right? It involves ventilation. And that's kind of what you and I have spoken about previously. And that's where the thinking firefighter has to come into play. All right. So once you've determined, you know, or you've assessed where you think the fire is, you've gotten yourself into position, you've communicated your intentions. Can you walk me through how you would in initiate that then enter search or that targeted search operation? What's going to be your process of, of actually taking that window and how you would go about making entry? So it, it, in a perfect world, you know, my, my size up would obviously, as I get off the rig, I'm sizing up the building and I'm kind of narrowing down my size up as it applies to my position. If I was the outside vent firefighter, I'm trying to get into that position um, locating the, the, the fire apartment and trying to identify the main fire area, right? And, and my size up from there is, you know, if I'm on the, the rear fire escape at a multiple dwelling or I'm on a portable ladder on the second floor of a private dwelling, you know, observation, you know, before I start taking glass, what am I observing? What's the smoke doing? You know, is it is it lazy grayish brown smoke typical of a a private dwelling fire or is it heavy black acrid smoke being pushed out under pressure? You know, what, what are the indicators there? Can I see fire just on the other side of the window? You know, these are these are things that I'm trying to, to identify before I commit to ventilation. Because once I take that glass, as you well know, the genie's out of the bottle, right? And, uh, and, and we're not putting it back. So, you know, those are things that I'm looking for. And, and another big thing in, in not glomming up the radio, right? But, you know, I have two ears and one mouth. I'm listening. You know, what, what, what's going on on the other side of the glass? What, what's the inside team reporting? What's the engine company reporting? What do they have going on? And trying to listen, if necessary, communicate with them. And, you know, a, a lot of times I'll, I'll tell junior guys, if you're not sure, ask real quick, you know, do you want me to take the windows? I'm on the rear fire escape. Can I vent? Um, you know, other things, you know, I worked uh, Sunday night, Monday day, we had the nor'easter, you know, other things that come into play, the weather, the wind, you know, what, what, what impact am I going to have on this operation? You know, I, I can't be hell bent on I'm getting in to do a VES come hell or high water. I have to think about, and it's, you know, I don't have a lot of time to contemplate it. It has to be done. The process has to be done quickly, but these are all things that I have to think about. You know, what impact am I going to have positive or negative on the overall operation from my point here, my perch, as I start to make my move predicated by my tactics. So I think the big thing is, you know, what's the smoke doing? Um, what's going on in the room that I potentially could be entering to do a, a VES or VEIS search? Um, and, and how is that going to impact the overall operation? So once you've committed to, to taking the glass, um, what's your process for doing that? And, you know, talk a little bit about that old saying of, of letting it blow. Yeah, right. So, um, you know, and it's interesting. I just put a little post up on Instagram. I had a great picture. We were doing a drill down in New York. We had a acquired structure and uh, one of the one of the brothers in Rye, New York, was was venting a window off a, a portable ladder. Right. So, you know, we could kind of look at it from those two perspectives. Right. If we are committed and, and we've kind of done our process and say, yeah, I want to get in there. Uh, conditions 
are indicating and dictating that VES is applicable here, or, or you know, it could be a, a horizontal vent situation. From the portable ladder, right, I'm using the reach of the tool, keeping my body below the sill, inventing the top pane first. And again, kind of using that initial blow as a little bit of a size up. What's the room doing? What's the smoke doing, right? But staying low, using the reach of the six foot hook. If uh, you think of the metal hook, right? The, the nice back flat end really increases your surface area to help you vent the thermal pane, the pane windows. From the fire escape, I was always taught and I, I learned from some real good senior guys that had a lot of fire experience. When, when you're on a fire escape in a typical tenement area, usually the fire escape services two apartments, right? There's a dividing partition down the middle, right? So if you look at the fire escape, you have two windows on the fire escape and those windows represent two different apartments. So let's just say I was standing in front of the window on my right, off the fire escape, there's another window that's called the off window. That's gonna be largely gonna be the second window in that room. So I would probably try to vent that window first, as opposed to the window that I'm standing on on the fire escape balcony. Again, letting the room blow, kind of trying to get a read of conditions there, uh, you know, giving the, the inside team maybe a little bit of a relief before I commit to that window on the fire escape. Because again, if I take that window first, uh, you know, I'm putting myself in potential jeopardy. I'm putting the second duo V who's trying to get in on the floor above in jeopardy. And we also have to bear in mind in that setting that civilians may be trying to utilize that fire escape to flee from the upper floors. And we could unintentionally set off a very dynamic sequence of event that could be bad for everyone. So it is coordinated trying to take the off window from the fire escape balcony. If you're venting from a ground ladder, get below the sash there, use the reach of the hook, take the top portion of the double hung out and kind of read that a little bit and then proceed up and obviously finish your process. If you are poised to get in, you know, you can get in from there. Excellent. All right, so now what we've covered the, the, the actual ventilation process. And if conditions dictate that we're going to make entry now to, to conduct a VES operation, um, what's gonna be your, your personal preference for making entry? I know there's, there's a, a few different ways to go about uh, making entry. You know, there's you know, the, the head first dive in, there's you know, str straddling the window, um, you know, I know with some of the, the Baltimore guys advocate for that, that hurtling into the window where you're stepping over the, the sill itself. Um, what's your personal preference? What are the pros and cons to the different techniques of making entry? And then we'll go from there. Yeah, so I think occupancy, again, actually comes into play with that a little bit. From the fire escape, probably stepping into the window, right? Because you're, you're pretty much at a level plane. You're almost stepping down into the room. Most times there's a bed pushed up against the window, um, but you're pretty much at a level plane from the fire escape balcony um, where you're gonna be stepping down into the room. So that, that, that's pretty much my operation there. From a portable ladder, that's where things would change a little bit. I'm a fan of just up over the sash, up over the sill, belly down into the room using my hook that I've kind of hooked on the window sill there and extended in the room using that as a brace actually that that was a little trick champo taught me uh in one of his 
uh, training minute videos, kind of using the hook almost to help you as you go belly down into the window to kind of brace you and support you and getting down on floor level. So coming in off a of portable, I would, I would not personally climb in in the traditional firefighter one tactic of entering a window. I, I try to go belly down and use the hook to get in. Um, but off the fire escape, it's usually a step down into the room. You, you're usually ending up on a bed most times and then kind of proceeding from there. Now, that's a great point to bring up is to expect furniture on the other side of the window. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how, you know, if you didn't encounter a bed or some piece of furniture, how that would kind of change the dynamic of making entry and if you would do anything different if you did come onto a bed first before you know, progressing yeah. into the room? Yeah, I mean, in, in coming in off the fire escape, it, it's challenging, you know, I mean, we oftentimes don't think about a lot of the other factors, especially working in the urban area, right? It's not just going to be a window, there's going to be a window gate, um, you know, uh, so you have to kind of negotiate that. And, you know, if there's any kind of working fire, now you're starting to take a feed, you've vented the glass, you've kind of vented the sash, now you got to negotiate the window gate get that out of the way, depending on the style of the gate, your, your techniques and your tactics there. And now you're coming into the room. And as I said, you know, these are not drill buildings, right? They're not acquired structures. They're, uh, they're heavily occupied occupancies. So yeah, you are going to encounter furnishing, typically beds, but could be dressers, could be TVs, uh, things of that nature. Obviously you're coming into a, in onto a bed and, you know, I talk about this a lot in my classes, you know, as we enter and some of the stuff that we learned eons ago in fire one sound the floor, you know, things like that. I still carry that with me, but I tell guys you're coming in a window to do a VES, you know, uh, you're sounding, you very well may have just impaled the victim with your Halligan. So do a little sweep. You know, if you're coming in, take a look, do a little sweep. You, you may find somebody right there. Um, kind of identify what you're crawling into and, and proceed from there. Um, you know, like I said, a lot of times it is a bed sweep around a little bit. You may find someone proceed down to the floor level. And, and again, your size up, you know, as you're looking at the building, um, right. It, it should almost be instinctual if you know your area, right. I really shouldn't have to think about it. Um, all right. What wall am I getting on to, to locate the door to try to isolate this real quick? You know, so that that's kind of the process I get in. If I'm coming in onto furnishing, I am going to sweep that a little bit before I commit to it to avoid uh, injuring or hampering any potential victim and then getting down onto the floor and trying to find the door that I need to isolate from there. Excellent. Now, are there, are there any tricks of the trade that you've found in that helps locate the, the door more rapidly? Yeah, so, um, you know, looking at the building. Right. Um, and, and, you know, I, I kind of try to impress this upon guys, knowing your response area was private dwellings, multiple dwellings, kind of reading the building under the more you get into the buildings, the more you, you, you start to understand that the more you understand your building construction, you know, we can start to get a pretty positive read. And I'll ask those questions. I'll show a generic picture of a private dwelling uh, with, four windows on the second floor and guys are, are pretty good. You know, what is What does this room represent? Oh, it represents a bedroom. All right. Where would, where would you think the door in this bedroom would be? Right. And they say, well, it's going to be opposite. It's a center hall colonial, right? So if I'm looking at the building and I'm looking at the two windows on the, the right, on my right, right. 
the door is probably going to be opposite the inside window, right? And, and you know, that that's usually pay dirt. Um, and I can kind of carry that over to the multiple dwelling world, you know, uh, old law tenement, new law tenement, you know, as I said, the window layout from the fire escape, you'll typically have two windows with the off windows, which represents a, a dividing uh, partition wall down the middle of the flat right? That's usually a good guide that I'm going to get on that wall and search forward. And that's going to usually lead me, depending on the way the apartment runs, they usually run front to rear if it's an old law, um, or they'll be sectioned in a quadrant of the building in a new law. I can usually use that indication from the outside to direct me to where the entry point to that room is or the egress point to that room is. Absolutely. So what are some of the things that you're doing? So let's say that the door is uncontrolled. You make it to the doorway. The, um, the door is uncontrolled. Is there anything that you're going to do before you just close the door and progress on? Or even if, let's say, the door is maybe uh, closed, is there anything that you're going to do once you hit that doorway before you progress on and carry on with your search? Yeah, and that's a, that's a great question, Nick, because, um, you know, I don't want to say we get robotic, but sometimes we do. And and we have to, as as we become more seasoned firefighters, we get a little more experience under our belt. We got to start thinking big picture, right? And, you know, you're in a private dwelling, a multiple dwelling. God forbid you get woken up in those wee hours by your smoke detector that you actually have a fire in your house. We're creatures of habit. And we're going to try to follow the natural paths of egress to gather our family, gather our pets and, and get out of the building, right? And that, that typically means opening that bedroom door and entering that hallway, right? And you know that's a common area, a common travel area for, for smoke or fire where people are getting overcome, right? So as a firefighter entering from the exterior, uh, doing a VES, you know we've been ingrained. VES has transformed to VEIS. Isolate is very important. And we've been ingrained upon that. That come hell or high water, we get in the room, we identify where the door is, we get to it, we isolate it if we have to. We shut the door to isolate our location. And that is 100% true. However, just being that thinking firefighter, going just one step further, probe that area around the door. If the door's open, if you can, get into the hallway a little bit because someone may have just entered that hallway trying to follow their natural travel path and become overcome right there. And we just instinctively get that door shut and we miss that victim. If the door's closed to the room we're operating in, you get to it, crack it open a little bit, take a look. Maybe there's a person there, but also identify conditions. You may be the first eyes inside the fire building coming in from a VES perch, right? They, they may have a tough door that they're, they're struggling with a little bit. They may have a clutter condition that they can't get down the hallway. They may have fire cutting the main hallway off that they can't get by until the line starts to darken it down. So you may be the first eyes inside that could give a really good report to conditions. So you do, you have to, as you progress and get that experience, and you know this is an experienced operation, you, you do have to expand a little bit, right? And don't be so robotic in your operations. Excellent. And of course, we got to talk about Mur Murphy's Law, because there, we're going to run into situations where 
Uh, and I think the great example of this was, if you remember, maybe 10, probably close to 15 years ago now, there was a, a video that circulated around, and this was when you know, the internet was kind of in its infancy with you know, the, the social media aspect, uh, but there was a VES operation from Indianapolis that was conducted. And you know, the captain w uh, went in the window to try and go after a reported, uh, I think, I believe a child trapped and ended up getting chased out by fire. And come to find out there was a great write-up that was done by that captain. And he encountered difficulty controlling the door because of a pile of clothes that was in front of the door. So some of the, the, th the problems that we couldn't counter could be you know, debris or contents blocking that swing of the door. Um, maybe the door isn't present at all. I've had that happen before where we go to control the door of the bedroom and there isn't a door. So what are, what are some of the, the problems that you've encountered and what is gonna be your play for overcoming those obstacles? Yeah, that, that's a great point. And I, I know the video well, and I remember when it, when it hit the social media and the explosion that occurred. And I really appreciated the captain coming back with a follow-up and kind of painting the, the on-scene picture there, right? And we're looking at a snapshot, uh, a snapshot from the benefit of my office right now. I wasn't there, he was. And uh, it was great that he was able to kind of retort that and give us a, a viewpoint from his lens, which, which kind of cleared things up uh, in, in, the, in the storm that ensued. But yeah, those are, those are real considerations where, you know, and it, it's happened to me on, on a few occasions where we get into a room and there is no door, right? And now we, we are unable to isolate the vent that we just created, right? So, you know, one of the things that I've relied on and that we rely on a lot um, is the ability to find a door and get it off the hinges and, and slap it up over that opening to sustain our operation and limit that fire spread to our entry point. So that, that's one of the big things that we drill on. Um, the ability to, when you don't have a door, to locate one and kind of use that as a barrier. Uh, but again, you know, Murphy's Law, he had debris in the way. And we see that no matter where we respond, any town USA, big city USA, small town USA, there are clutter conditions where you're, you're going to, I mean, I remember years ago, VESing at a brownstone, a second floor fire, and climbing up a mountain of garbage and kind of cascading, not so eloquently down to the floor on the other side, um, probably about an eight or 10 foot fall into the room. There was just that much debris in there, right? And, and, and these are things that we deal with in our response areas that, uh, you know, we, we have to be aware of. In that instance, if, if I had no ability to control or isolate my area, I think the first thing I need to do, obviously, is ensure that I can get back to my point of entry and then communicate that. You know, I don't I don't have a door in the in the in the room here or I'm having difficulties controlling the room here just to let the other members know that, you know, the dynamics, if if there is no other intervention, mainly the application of HT, H2O, the dynamics have the potential to change on us now. Now, Paul, I don't I want to get the chance to for you to just discuss real quick. What's the quick technique for removing a door off its hinges? 
Yeah, so it's it's uh, it's pretty straightforward, right? Uh, the six foot hook has been very reliable for me, um, or the Halligan, hanging the hook, you know, opening the door. Say we're gonna remove a closet door, opening the door a little bit, maybe a quarter of the way opening. The hook is more effective in my opinion because you can effectively start to dislodge both the hinges. If you use the Halligan, you're gonna have to probably do it two or three times. Most of those interior doors have two hinges. Some have three in the older buildings, but the hook is going to, you're going to hook the top hinge and just let the shaft of the hook come down. And as hard as you can slam the door on your tool, right? That hook is going to almost act like a, a fulcrum or a leverage point, And it's going to start to, in most cases, just rip the top and middle hinge right out um, and severely compromise the lower hinge to where you can just kind of twist the door off and have it there for you and, and slap it up. And that, you know, that's something that may seem foreign to a lot of members, but it's something that we utilize quite a bit. You know, if, if, if we're trying to confine an area where there wasn't a door or the door has started to burn through and we're trying to kind of prolong our search, we'll do, we'll call for a door, like get me a door and, 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 and guys are, are pretty adept at it. It's, it's not, impossible to do just using your hand tools just slamming the, the door on the tool will dislodge those hinges in most instances awesome so now once you've gotten eyes on the hallway you've assessed conditions check for victims we've controlled the door now uh any any pointers for you know conducting that or that rapid search of the room yeah i mean if you look at it from uh, the, the theoretical perspective, right? If I've done all that, if I've properly vented my entry point, if I've got in and controlled the door, I've isolated myself, right? You know, if, if there was a, a decent smoke condition in that particular room, right? I vented, that should start to lift now, right? So I can make a rapid search of that area and make my way back to my entry point. Um, you know, the question from there begins, all right, you've searched that initial bedroom, which shouldn't take you very long. Um, you know, where do you go from there? Right. And I think a lot of that is dependent on the occupancy, right? In a private dwelling, typically you're working with in in my realm, two firefighters, as I said, potentially four if the second due unit is in, um, to where, you know, we could go window to window, maneuver around the building like that. In a multiple dwelling, typically you're only going to have that one access point off the, the fire escape, the rear side fire escape. So, you know, if your thought process is to try to get into another room from there, right, you'd have to enter the main hallway. And, you know, that's going to be, again, coordination, communication, size up, right? What did my initial view of the hallway look like? What's the status of the line? You know, where is the fire? What's the status of the line? Uh, do they have water? Are they moving in? Can I get a little more aggressive and exit the room that I came in and maneuver to another bedroom to, to continue that search? Or am I going to stay here and kind of wait it out till they get water on the fire? Excellent. Now, Paul, in your position, do you have a thermal imaging camera with you? Uh, we do not. The, 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 the latter companies only have one camera. So the boss has that. Um, the special units have multiple cameras. So their outside firefighters would have a camera. Uh, but that's a great point that if your department has that 
those resources, additional cameras, that's a, that's a great tool to have with you. And we, we, you know, we, we talk a lot about this in the classes in the private dwelling setting. You know, ideal world, perfect world, VESing at a private dwelling would be a two firefighter approach. That second firefighter on the ladder uh, is kind of your, your guide man serving as your guide, guide firefighter. If they have the camera, you know, they, they can really give you a, some good insight from their perspective as you perform your interior operation. Um, so yeah, that's a great resource. Unfortunately, we don't have that um, at our disposal yet. Uh, we'll see, hopefully down the line, maybe we, uh, we do get that. Now, uh, Paul, I'm gonna th uh, throw a situation that, uh, that I ran into a while back. Now, what's your take on VES of a, of a common space that you know you wouldn't be able to isolate, such as a dining room, a living room? Uh, a situation I ran into was we you know, pulled up to a private dwelling and immediately uh, after we stepped off the truck, a neighbor came up to us and said, uh, the occupant's still inside. And as I'm walking up, and another bystander says, he, I just saw him in this window and by sizing up the structure, you knew it was a, a common space. You know, it turned out to be a dining room. Uh, but in that situation where you do have that, you know, would you, would you VES that, uh, that space or would you look for an alternative means of access? Yeah, that, that's a, that, that's a tough one there. Right. I mean, you know, we, we've got to think about cause and effect, obviously in the in, in inability to isolate that. Um, those are pretty good, credible reports, right? And, you know, in my mind, what's our number one priority, right? The, 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 the saving of life. And if, if I could uh, kind of verify those credible reports and I were to get to my position, whether it was via a portable ladder or if it's a, a dining room, maybe ground level dining room where I could see a victim and, and that's my only option to get in and get them. Um, I think personally, I am, uh, I'm making that move. You know, if I got credible reports, I get to my point of operation and, and it's been determined that that's our only shot to get this person out of the IDLH in a timely manner. I, I think life is going to trump all else personally. Now I had a great discussion, uh, a couple months back with, uh, a lieutenant from Providence Special Hazards, and he brought up a, a really great point that I think you just you touched on in in that last uh, piece, was that you know when they're looking at whether to VES or conduct a conventional door initiated search, you know it boils down to you know what are my access points and how quickly can I get there. So I think a lot of it is what's the lag time of the operation? How long is it going to take me to get into position from you know one method of approach to the other? And I think that has a lot to do with it in regards to size up is, you know, where is that room, that targeted room located? You know, what are my, my means of approach and how long is it going to take me to, uh, to get to that through either the interior staircase or the front door or through, uh, from accessing a portable ladder or in your case, a fire escape? Yeah, and, and, and we talk about this a lot and, and it goes back to our initial training um, and we are all guilty of it to some uh, degree that as a service collectively, we oftentimes put all our eggs in one basket and we're conditioned to all what I say, bum rush the front door of a dwelling and uh, kind of 
proceed from there. That's our stepping off point. And, you know, that serves us well in, in, in many of our fires. It serves us well. It, it's obviously the main means of uh, access and egress, so it serves us well. But uh, it's not always going to allow us to proceed beyond to get into those target areas for a myriad of conditions, mainly fire conditions, right? Uh, preventing us, say, from getting up the interior stair of a private dwelling or preventing us to get to the rear bedrooms of a multiple dwelling, fire conditions, clutter conditions, a very challenging forcible entry scenario, right? So kind of reading that and sizing that up um, and using the personnel you have, right? Uh, that, that becomes a, a big thing too. Do we have the personnel to execute that two-tiered attack, right? To get members to those vital areas simultaneously right, in a timely manner. So there are, there are a lot of facets and, and a lot of factors. You know, uh, I think about when I was a volunteer over in Brewster, we pulled up in the wee hours to a condo, an occupied row of condos, and there was fire blowing out the front door and the two front windows in the front of the building. And, you know, we were not going to access the stairs to get above until that fire was knocked down, right? And th th those are scenarios where, you um, if you have the assigned position and you have the personnel, it takes a lot of the guesswork out of it because hopefully they're going to make their position. If you don't and you're kind of audibleizing on the scene with the personnel you have, right, that's where it, it may be. The audible is called like, hey, listen, this is going to be delayed because we have heavy fire venting out the front door. That's probably encompassing the interior stairwell as well as well. Uh, let's see if we could get a portable to the rear and access those rear bedrooms that way or second floor that way. So a, a lot of that, as, as the guys up in Providence uh, have said, is going to be based on a good size up in, in conditions and what we have going on and the personnel that we can kind of uh, use at our disposal to cover those bases. Absolutely. So the way I like to finish these off is, you know, the whole premise is to recreate the kitchen table conversation. So if you were you know, mentoring a, a junior firefighter at, at your firehouse and you were having this discussion on VES, what would be you know, some of the, the, the main you know, takeaways that you'd like that, that firefighter to, to, to leave with? So I, I, I think the biggest thing that I try to impress on the junior guys and I try to do it myself. And for any of us that have ever been on the fire ground, it's not always easy, but operating from the outside is, uh, is very difficult. And I think a lot of times if we just slow ourselves down a little bit, right? Slow down our mental process and do a real good calculated size up. That's what I try to impress upon the younger guys that are starting to get indoctrinated into the outside positions. You need to get off the rig, take a breath and slow down. The inside positions are pretty straightforward. You're following the boss, um, you know, and, and you're gonna go to a set objective. The outside positions um, require you to kind of slow down a little bit, size things up and think. Think about cause and effect, right? Uh, what impact am I gonna have on this fire before I take those actions? Is it gonna be a positive impact? Is it gonna be a negative impact? And knowing the difference there, 
right? And, and what is my objective here? You know, if I'm perched on a portable ladder or a fire escape and the room I'm about to vent is pretty well fully involved in fire, right? Am I going to be able to get in there and sustain a search right away? Am I going to cause changes in the fire dynamics that are going to negatively impact the other firefighters operating on the scene? So it really does require you to slow down a little bit and, and think, right? Think before you act. Listen to the radio. And, you know, that, that video you had from Harrisburg, uh, which was kind of what prompted our, our chat here, was perfect. You know, you, 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 look, you look at those guys, you think there's, there's communication, there's coordination, and the outcome was, was, was the outcome that we would expect in a very timely manner, right? Those are obviously experienced guys that have worked together a lot, and those guys see a lot of fire duty. There's where the experience comes into play. Um, but their actions were not haphazard. They were thought-provoked actions, and that's what I do try to kind of uh, pass on to those those younger guys is, is really take a sec, calm yourself down, uh, size things up, and try to make a decision with a clearer head than you're running on emotion and, and you're kind of getting caught up in the, the high-speed uh, fluid event that is the fire ground. Excellent. Well, Paul, this was a great conversation and it's always a pleasure to, to get together and talk shop with you and look forward to the next time our paths cross again. So uh, is there any final things you want to leave with the, with the listeners? No, I, I, I appreciate the opportunity. I, uh, as I said, I, I like what you're doing with this. I like this approach. Uh, hopefully uh, we can do it again. So keep up the good work that you're doing. And uh, I look forward to maybe getting together and having another chat. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Paul. All right, brother. Be safe. You too.